Shalom, shalom, and welcome back to another exciting episode of our continuing learning in the Sefer Lukute Maharan. Baruch Shachayanu Vikiamanu Vihigianu Lazmanazeh. Baruch Hashem, we've reached this point. We have completed the first four Torahs, and we will be continuing today in Torah 5, in the fifth teaching, Torah Hey. In this Torah, we will be learning about our ultimate responsibility on behalf of the world. We will be learning about the ultimate importance of doing mitzvahs, commandments with joy, basimcha. We will get many pieces of practical advice regarding our prayer. We will learn ways of filtering and focusing our minds. And we will learn about the concepts of tzaddikim, of righteous people, when they argue. What exactly is going on when two holy people have a major disagreement about something? Shouldn't it be that all leaders of the Jewish people agree on everything? You'd think so. And yet we know the classic old joke of two Jews, five opinions. We're going to find out why that is. Diving into the fourth Torah, as has been his custom, Rabbi Nachman will ground this Torah teaching on a Pasuk from Tanakh, specifically from Tehillim. Kapitel Tzadi Ches 98, and the verse reads, With trumpets and the sound of the shofar, the ram's horn, call out before the king, Hashem, God. To begin the journey of this particular Torah, Rabbi Nachman is going to quote a Gemara from Sanhedrin, and then open it up and start to help us understand what exactly does that mean for us in our lives today. It is necessary, says the Gemara, for every person to say, that the whole world was only created for me. Now, without proper context, it's very possible to misread this Gemara, and God forbid, take this idea to say, oh, look, the whole world was created for me, so therefore I am the best in the world, and you can, God forbid, develop a false sense of haughtiness and pride. That is not what this is talking about, and Rabbi Nachman will let us know super clearly that this Gemara is referring to something else entirely. Additionally, one of the incredible ways to deepen our learning is to always learn the context. When you're learning something, if you learn a Pasuk and Gemara, to pause and find out the context of that which is happening. Continuing, Because the world was created for me, This is a much deeper dimension that Rabbi Nachman is adding to this particular Gemara. He is not, God forbid, saying that a person should walk around saying, look at me, everyone should bow to me, the whole world was created for me, but rather that if the world was created for me, then I have a responsibility to always be looking at the world and finding those areas that I can fix. Wherever there's a lack in the world, I have an obligation, says Rabbi Nachman, to fix that lack and to daven for that lack to be fixed. This alone could be enough, and we could end the Torah right here. There are so many pieces to this idea. One, to know that God himself believes in me enough to fix the world, me personally. That's incredible. Discussing this concept, there's a, an idea that pops to my mind, the classic idea regarding the Moda'ani in the morning that we say the first thing when we wake up. When the Moda'ani ends, Raba Emuna Secha, Great is your faith. We're not simply saying, wow, Hashem is a faithful God. But rather, because this is in the context of Hashem himself returning our soul to us in the morning. So therefore, we're saying, 
Thank you, Hashem, for having so much faith in me. The fact that you gave me my neshama back means that you want me in this world. And says Rabbi Nachman, amongst others as well, that Hashem gave us our neshama back in the morning in order for us to fix the world. My students often make fun of me because when they ask me what am I doing today, I usually answer something along the lines of trying to save the world. And the truth is, it's not a lie. I really am, and I really want to. And Rabbi Nachman here is urging us based on the Gemara, that we really need to. It's our obligation, because Hashem created the world for us, so therefore it's on us to fix it. Now this fixing is totally dependent on our prayer for those lackings. If that first statement was enough and we could go home, the Torah would have ended here, but it does not. So we're going to dive in deeper and figure out what exactly are the aspects of prayer that can help us to save the world. Regarding prayer, there are two different paths, or two different faces, literally. The first of these paths is letting us know that before the Gzardin, a heavenly decree, then we daven in the regular order of the prayers. And it's not necessary to clothe our prayers. What does that mean exactly? We're going to dive in and learn more about that. Aval, la'acha gzardin, sarach lahalbish ha-tfila, k'day shalo yavinu ha-malachim ha-oimdim l'smoil, v'lo yekatragu. However, the second means of prayer is specifically talking about after a divine decree that it's necessary, it is necessary, to clothe your prayers. What does that mean? We're going to learn. In order that they not be understood by these angels on high that stand on the left side, if you will, of Hashem, and they won't be able to destroy our prayers or block them in any way. Like it says in the Pasuk in Daniel, that the Gezerah, the divine decree, is set by the destroying angels. Hainu, namely, what does this mean? La'achar gzardin. This is talking about after a judgment is put into place. Azai, then, b'maimer kadishin she'iltin. That through a mimer, through speaking, and what exactly does mimer mean? We're going to develop that idea a little bit as the Torah moves on. The holy ones will take care of it. What does that mean? Azai, hatzadikim malbishim she'elosam b'maimer. That then the righteous ones will clothe their tfilos, their requests from God, in a mimer. We're going to continue to explore this term mimer and to learn any potential implications that that can have on our prayers. So the Rebbe has set up that there's a clear difference in our approach to tefillah regarding the clothing of our prayers and what exactly that means. And that difference is dependent on whether or not the gzardin, the heavenly decree, has been pushed out there? Do the malachim, the angels, know about it? Is it part of our world yet or not? If not, then you pray in the usual manner, kaseder, according to our prayer books and according to the way that you would anyway in our free-flowing prayers as well. However, if it's after, then there are some more eights, some more pieces of advice that we need to know in order to allow our prayers to get that much higher. Remember, we're dealing with fixing the world, so it must be something significant. Aval, however... Good question. How do we know whether or not this is before the heavenly decree or after the, the heavenly decree? I sit down to pray for something. How do I know? Most of us are not able to look into the heavens and to be able to work through the heavenly decrees and know which ones were submitted for world distribution and which ones not. So Rabbi Nachman is going to let us know right here. 
Al Yedeha Shanu Oisim. Through our mitzvos that we do, Yechoylin Anachnu Leida Ben Koydim Gzardin Laacha Gzardin. We will be able to know if it is before the Gezera, the divine decree, or after the divine decree. When a person does mitzvot with such a great enthusiasm and joy, until the point where he no longer wants any reward in the world to come, but rather all that this person wants after doing the mitzvah in reward for the mitzvah is another mitzvah. It's not saying, Hashem, I did this mitzvah, so therefore, send me these blessings or set up my mansion in Olam Haba. No, Hashem, I did this mitzvah, so therefore, I want another mitzvah. After doing a mitzvah with this level of joy, a person would be declaring the greatest joy, Hashem, that I can have in this world and the world to come is doing a mitzvah. So all that I ask in regards to the reward for my previous mitzvah is another opportunity to do another mitzvah. I want that ultimate level of simcha. Like our rabbis say in Pirkei Avos, schar mitzvah mitzvah, that the reward for a mitzvah is another mitzvah. Ki hu mitzvah Because that person who just did the mitzvah derives a pleasure from the mitzvah itself, not from any reward that may come from that particular mitzvah. In brief review, the entire world was created for me, and every person must say that, and when you do, it should not be invoking feelings of unfounded pride or ego, but rather those feelings of the ultimate level of responsibility that I personally have an obligation to find the lackings in the world and to fix them. Part of that ultimate fix is through prayer. How does this work? I first need to determine whether we are before or after a gazardin. If we're before the divine decree, then we can pray regularly. If it's after, then I need to clothe my prayers. In what? We're going to continue to figure out in the coming Torahs. But also, how do I know if it's before or after, says Rabbi Nachman? The first step is dependent upon our level of simcha shal mitzvah, of the joy of the mitzvahs that we're doing, and our expected or desired reward. If our desired reward is something that is tangible, physical, or even in the world to come, that's one level. But the highest level of simcha that the Rebbe is speaking about here is the simcha shal mitzvah itself, the joy and pleasure that we derive from the mitzvah itself, leading to our ultimate desire after that and reward for that mitzvah should only be that of another mitzvah. I'm looking forward to continuing to dive into the depths of this fifth Torah in the next episode, wishing everyone a beautiful day.